Well, good morning, everybody. We are in the last week of our series called You Asked For It. Uh, This series is based on an Easter survey we did where we asked uh, what you were interested in, what you wanted to learn about, what you wanted to talk about. And uh, the biggest topic that you want to talk about is actually the topic we are going to share about this morning. And if I just had to kind of summarize the Easter survey, here's what you kind of said. I'm stressed. I don't know if any of you are walking in this morning feeling stressed, but I also know that sometimes when you figure out what you're stressed about or to figure out the solution to any issue or any problem, you can think about the opposite of what the problem is. And sometimes that can be the solution for what you want to face and the solution that you're looking for in your life. And uh, one of the things, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you're walking in today feeling stressed, maybe I have a solution for you. If the opposite is the solution. Do you know what the opposite of stressed is when it comes to the letters? Does anybody want to guess? Stressed, if you spell it backwards, is desserts. Did any of you know that? Okay, so some of you, maybe you just got the exact point that you needed this morning. You're feeling stressed and you just need to go eat a cookie, okay? Now, no matter where you're at today, here's one thing I know about you. At some point in your life, you felt stress. You felt overwhelmed. And when we think about our world today, there's a sense of anxiety and stress all over the place, and we feel pressure. Some of the top stressors in our life are are work, money, and family. The question is, how do we deal with that stress, and what does it look like for us to grow in the midst of it? Some of you may be uh, stressed out about high costs of living. You may be stressed about the current political climate. Maybe the moral decline that you see in our nation. You, you look and you say, our world is a mess. Some of you may be Michigan fans and you're stressed about all of the allegations about our football team. Okay, that's just me. And I make Michigan jokes every week and nobody cares, but I'm just going to keep doing it until you care, okay? Go blue. And today you may be thinking, Josh, your job is to help me figure out how to get all the stress out of my life. And I want to tell you right up front, God never promises that. God never promises that you're not going to have a stressful life. He never promises that all of your stress is going to go away, but he promises to give you the ability to stand up under it, and that's what I want to do this morning. I believe that God has the ability to work in your life, and he has the ability to help you increase the pressure and the capacity in your life so that you can deal with the stress that you're facing this morning. If I had to give you a definition of stress, it would be this. It is when pressure is exerted on an object to the point where it begins to break. And some of you feels like that's your life today. Like your life is beginning to crack. Your life is under pressure. A different way to say this is is stress is when your pressure is greater than your capacity. Like the pressure is increasing, but your capacity feels like this. And when you feel like that, you begin to to crack. So stress is when pressure is greater than the capacity for that thing. And when you have something like this in your life, the stress continues to increase and you may not know what to do. Um, So what I want to do this morning, just as we get started, is I wanted to give a little bit of uh, a sermon illustration to just help you figure out where you're at today. Okay, so I don't know if you all can see this, um, but this is a Paw Patrol uh, folding. This is a chair, okay? It's like a little beach chair, Paw Patrol. This is my daughter's favorite show. Any any parents, you know Paw Patrol pretty well? Okay, we got a few of you. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but this chair is not very big. 
right? This chair is designed for my daughter. This chair is not designed for me, right? But if I decide to sit in this chair, and I've not done this illustration yet, so we're going to see what happens today, okay? If I decide to take a seat in this chair, we're going to see if this chair can actually hold me or not, okay? So you guys get to enjoy this this morning. We're going to see what happens here. Okay, this is not bad. Okay, this is not the illustration I was trying to do. This chair is supposed to break, okay? So can we all just imagine that this chair just broke on me because I did not think it was going to be able to hold me up. Can I get this to break at all? Okay. Well, that sermon illustration did not work at all, okay? Let's just imagine that chair broke and I am sitting on the floor, okay? And some of you, that is a picture of your life. Man, that did not work at all. Marcos, just take this and you can go, just burn it, okay? Because that did not work. That did not work. All right, I don't even know where to go with that. I, I got to practice these next time, but I don't want to practice just breaking a chair. Um, I saw someone else do it and it worked, but whatever. Okay, so we're just going to pretend that didn't happen, okay? What if God's word has the ability to teach you how to increase your capacity? If I had to sum up today's message, and maybe you're feeling a little stressed today, here's how I want to sum it up for you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Before I give any point for the rest of this message, what you need to remember is Matthew eleven twenty-eight: That no stress is going to be allevi- alleviated from just listening to a TED Talk. No stress is just going to be alleviated um, from you learning to manage your time better, although that's important. If you're looking to experience peace this morning, there is a promise that God gives us today, and it can only happen through Christ. So, as a church, what does it look like for us to experience the Prince of Peace so we can know the principles of peace this morning so that you can handle your stress in a better way? The title of today's message is this, how do I handle my stress? How do I handle my stress? My stress, Because what I want to do today is I want to show you biblical principles that I believe if you put into play in your life, that your stress may not change or your, your, your stress may stay here, but your capacity has the ability to increase this morning, okay? So if you're taking notes, I want you to encourage you to write this down. Here's the first way. Our capacity increases when we allow our bodies and minds to recover. Guys, this is a biblical principle. I don't know, maybe this is just an observation and and you don't get this from social media, but what I noticed from social media is a couple years ago, it was super big on like the hustle culture. You guys notice that? Like everybody's talking about, man, I work out seven days a week. I work all day. I get so much money. I do this. I do that. I do this. And then I noticed that things began to shift in social media culture. It went from like hustle culture to rest culture where it's like, man, I need to, I just need to rest. I need to rest. I need to rest. And I think that's important. But I also believe that all of us in this room have a bent, right? Some of you love to work. Do I have anybody here? You just love to do things. Come on, you love to work. You can be honest about it. Come on, who are my people here who you just love to rest? Come on, you're like, I could sit all day. I could do nothing all day. It would be absolutely amazing. Like I could hang out on that Paw Patrol chair all day and that would be great. Now, depending on who you are, this is where God wants to grow us. For those of you who work hard, you need to know that God wants to give you the ability to rest. Some of you, maybe you rest a little bit too much and it's time to work hard. 
What you see in scripture is this. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 9 through 10, it says, You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. When we look at hustle culture and we look at stress, and oftentimes, even when we look at um, different things when it comes to depression or anxiety, I think sometimes we have to look back at our life and ask the question, am I causing this to build? There's this book called Lost Connections um, by, it's written by Johan Hari. And here's what he wrote. He said, we need to talk less about chemical imbalances and more about the imbalances in the way we live. Now, as you read this book, he, he doesn't discount chemical imbalances. There's obviously those things and we need, to, we need to figure that out. We need to go to doctors and we need to have those conversations. But if you're experiencing stress today, my question is, how are you living your life? Are there certain things you've placed in your life that are causing you to experience the stress that you're facing today that maybe you can change things up in your life? Scripture prescribes a Sabbath. Maybe you've heard the term Sabbath before, but Sabbath is a day off where you rest. You don't work for rest, you work from rest. That's what scripture teaches. For me, um, my Sabbath is on Friday. And on Friday, uh, we call it Family Fun Friday. It is a, it's a day that is life-giving for me. I love Fridays. It's a time where we hang out. I read scripture. I hang out with my kids. We eat great meals. We do fun things together. And it is a life-giving day to help prepare me for my week because my week kind of starts um, on Saturday when it comes to the work that we have. In the same way for you, Maybe you're walking in today with stress and one of the reasons you're feeling that stress is because you have not been living out a biblical Sabbath. You don't have a day that you take off. Like you're always piling more and more things into your life and God is calling you to take a step back and live out the biblical principles of a Sabbath. The next one is this. Our capacity increases when we know who we are. Because every time you don't know who you are, you are going to live out a narrative in your life that is wrong. And when you live out the wrong narrative in your life, it is going to build up stress in your life. There are four ways that you can be defined in your life. You could define yourself. The enemy could define you. Others could define you. Or you can let God define you. And depending on how you define yourself or you let others define you, I mean, think about the word Peer pressure. What is peer pressure? It's when peers pressure you to do something that you don't want to do because that is not who you are. And I know for some of us, we think that's just a high school thing. That is not a high school thing. Like some of you, the decisions that you're making today, the reason you're making those decisions is maybe not necessarily because of peer pressure, but it's because of social media pressure. Like you see what other people are doing and you see other families who have these perfect pictures and they go to the, you know, the pumpkin patch and everything looks good and they're having the best day in the world. So what do you do? You say, you know what, kids, we're going to go to the pumpkin patch because this family went to the pumpkin patch and then you don't get the good picture because your kids are being little hellions. Does that happen for anybody else or is it just me? Like you're living a life where you're trying to look at what everybody else is doing and you're not living the life that God has called you to live. Researchers say this, that we are, this is, this is crazy, that we are the most narcissistic yet low self-esteem society at the same time. So like we think about ourselves a lot, 
but we actually think of ourselves in a low well, low way. We don't have a high self-esteem. And what does that do? <laughs> well, it says this combination amplifies mental triggers for anxiety, stress, and depression. Why do we do that? It's based on a lack of clarity of who you are. Some of you, I'm going to encourage you, one of the biggest things you can learn from today is you need to become more ignorant. You're like, isn't that a bad thing? No, in some ways it is not. Some of you need to become more selectively ignorant because your inputs are causing you stress. Like what you're watching on TV is causing you stress. What you're looking at on social media, it is causing you stress. Some of you, the biggest thing you can do today is you need to unfollow certain people that cause you to feel a certain way when you see what they say. And I just believe that we live in a culture and we live in a day and age where we are taking in millions of pieces of information and we are not designed for it. Like, think about it. You are not designed to know about every single tragedy, every single shooting, every single war, every single kidnapping, whatever it is. And if you go on social media or you go on X or formerly known as Twitter and you look at it, there's negative pieces of information that I just don't believe we are designed to be able to hold in. Like, think about it, man. And what happens? We lose empathy because we read all of these stories and we don't know how to deal with it. And then we wonder why we feel so stressed. It's because we see all of these different things. So I'm not telling you, you don't need to know what's happening on in our culture. But for some of us, we need to be a little bit more careful about our inputs. Eleanor Roosevelt says this, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. For some of us, um, what the devil will do is he will just place negative things in your mind. And, and what he'll do is he'll just have you, uh, cause you to just keep ruminating them over and over and over. Um, did anybody like grow up on a farm growing up? Any of you? We got a couple of you. Okay, so what's interesting is when you grow up on a farm, like you have cows, right? And what cows will do is they will just like chew up grass, and, and there's a term for it. They, they say they will chew their cud, right? Which means they'll chew up their grass, and they'll kind of stay there, and then they'll throw it up, and then they'll eat it again, and they'll throw it up, and then they'll eat it again, okay? And some of you, that is what is happening in your mind today. Like you're continuing to ruminate things over and over and over and over. And although your situation has not changed, your stress has increased because you keep thinking about the same thing over and over and over again. How many of you know that when the cow goes down for the fifth time to chew that back up, it is getting grosser and grosser time after time, right? It is the same thing with our thought life. When we sit around and we amplify and we magnify that certain stress or that worry about that thing that actually hasn't happened yet, that probably isn't actually even going to happen, it places us in a position where we still experience the stress and anxiety that we're not designed for. Galatians chapter six says this, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, and that is not a negative term of pride, um, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. The clearer you are about who God says you are, and let me remind you, if you're a follower of Jesus, God says you are a child of God, that you are the righteousness of God. 
This comes out of God's word. For some of you, you're battling that self-talk. And the, the enemy is reminding you of your past. I experience this. And there's sometimes when I'm standing backstage and I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to go preach this message. Like, I'm not even good at doing what I'm about to talk about. And I'm like, God, is there, could you even use me in the midst of this? Like, God, do you remember what I did there or what I did this or I did this? Or like, I don't have the confidence to do this. And it is just so easy uh, to take the God-given assignments he's given us and just look at it and say, God, I just don't think I can do it. I believe that God wants to use you to be able to make a difference wherever you are. And the reason he can do that, it is because of his strength and his power, not just because of your own ability. Yes, God has wired you in a certain way, but God wants to be with you in the midst of whatever you're facing today. And I would encourage you, especially if you're younger, maybe high school, middle school, college, you are going to battle in this season of life of comparing yourself to others you're going to start thinking, I'm just not far enough along because that person's way further than I am. I should be way further. I should do this. I should do that. And when you do that, you're limiting what God wants to do in you now because you're more focused on what God is doing through other people. He has a specific race for you. So focus on the race that he has for you. Here's the third one. Our capacity increases when we know what we were created to do. By the way, you can't know what you're created to do until you know who you are. Do you know who the happiest people are? They are not people who are prob oh, excuse me. They are not people who are problem free. The happiest people have something to do that matters. The happiest people are not focused on their problems. They are focused on their purpose. Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, I had light and momentary problems. If any of you know scripture, that is no way how we would describe Paul's problems, right? Paul was snake bit. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned, not recreationally, like physical stones. Some of you are still getting that one, okay? Paul was beaten, but he had a purpose in his life. He had a God-given assignment, and he said, that is my focus, and these are light and momentary problems. Why? Because in comparison, he had something so much greater in the future. Come on, Peter says this. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. This is why as a church, we talk about growth track every single week. Some of you, you've heard this announcement maybe like 50 times since we started. And it, here's the reason we talk about it all the time. It's the best way I can pastor you is to help you realize how God has created you. So at Growth Track, we, we teach you how has God created you? How has he wired you? Some of you are missing out on all the great things that God has for you in your life because you don't know how you're wired and you're trying to do something that you were never created to do. The verse continues and it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling. For if you do these things, come on, look at this next part of the verse. He says, you will never stumble and you will receive a welcome into the eternal kingdom of God. When you read scripture, the term calling uh, in the original language is ekloge. And it is the unique thing that God has not only called you to do, but he's created you to do. So think about this. God has created you with works in mind that you are going to do in the future. 
And he literally created you and designed you to do the work that he called you to do. God did not create you and just say, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with that one. Like he was very specific. He said, I know exactly what I want them to do. So I'm going to make them in this way so they can do what I've called them to do. Yet for most Christians, they never recognize or understand how God has uniquely wired them. And they don't do exactly what God has called them to do. And if I gave you a guarantee today that you would never stumble, all of us would take that guarantee. We'd say, I would love to live that life. And how do we do that? It's when your eyes become fixed on something that is stable, yet most of us fix our eyes on things that are fleeting. Guys, your wealth, it's fleeting. Like some of your your family at times, it can be fleeting. Things can change. It doesn't mean you don't focus on it. The only thing that doesn't change is Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, we place our focus on him. Your purpose, though, it has a competitor. What's the competitor? It's all the trivial things in your life that are not bad things. They could be good things, but we make them the main thing in our life. That could be travel. That could be our jobs. It could be, do, you know, obviously we need to make a living and do different things like that, but we need to understand that when we add more things to our life, our life can be filled with things that are not bad, but they're taking away from what God wants to do in our life. I'll just tell you, every time you say yes to something, it has the ability to increase stress in your life, especially when you're already tapped out right now. So give your life to something where God has created you and he's called you to be. Fourth one is this, our capacity increases when we are supported by others. Some of you, you are great at this one. Others of you, you are terrible at this one, okay? Some of you, you're great relationally, you love connecting with people. Then there are others of you, you are a lone wolf. You just wanna be by yourself. Or maybe you like to connect with people, but you're not necessarily vulnerable with people to actually share what's happening in your life. Do you notice that every time in scripture that God talks about the church or he talks about the gathering, it is a group description. It's called a fellowship, a family. You're part of the family of God. You're a part of the body. It's a flock. Christianity is not an individual sport. If you believe Christianity is an individual sport, you're wrong. What we see through scripture is it's not about us individually. It is about us coming together. That's why as a church, we talk about all the time. We want to help you find your people. We want to help you get plugged into a group so that you can connect with other people who are in this stage of life, this season of life, or or other people who just love people well. And you can talk about things that are going on in your life so that you can grow in your faith. Because if you believe that you're going to get wherever God wants you to get without the help of others, you do not have big enough dreams. Have you ever seen uh, like the National Geographic like video or show when an antelope gets by themselves? You know what happens next? That antelope is a lion's lunch, right? Like that, that antelope has absolutely no chance. And that's when you do life alone. That's a picture Some of you, you are the enemy's lunch today because you haven't allowed other people to come into your life. You haven't prioritized relationships in your life where people can challenge you, love you, and keep you accountable. 
So don't become the enemy's lunch. Band together with other believers, get plugged into a group, find people who love Jesus and get connected with them because there is strength in numbers. How do I know that? Ecclesiastes chapter four says this, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. There was no end to his toil. What does that mean? Is that he looked at his life, he was all by himself, so he thought the meaning of my life is to get more. I'm just going to make more money. I'm just going to get a better job. I'm just going to work more. I'm just going to save more. I'm just going to invest more. And it gets to the point where there was no end to his toil. He increased his stress and then he cracked under pressure. He just kept working. And some of you, that's the way that you're living your life today. But here's what the rest says. Two are better than one. Taylor Swift stole a song from scripture right there. You see that? Come on. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So in other words, the pressure in your life is going to continue. But you can increase your capacity by allowing others to come in and be connected with you and help you with whatever you're facing today. The verse continues on. It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Maybe you've heard this verse in a wedding before. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Some of you feel beat down today. Some of you feel frustrated today. And I would encourage you, get plugged in with other people. Researchers say we are the loneliest people in human history. They say that, that we're different from animals, though, uh, because we can band together as a group. Yet we live in a society that it is very easy to disband from others, even though we can still be very connected with others through social media and these different platforms. Psychiatrists are, are doing something about this, and what they're doing, it, it's called uh, prescribing, excuse me. So they're prescribing something to combat this. And here's what they're doing. It's two ways if you want to combat loneliness in your life. Find people to join and do something meaningful together. When I read that, I just thought it was kind of funny. I love when science catches up with the Bible. Because <laughs> you know what that is? That's the church. That is the family of believers. They are prescribing something that God has already prescribed through his word. Find people to join and do something meaningful together. That is the church. The church is not three songs and then hopefully the best message you've ever heard. Okay, maybe just a decent message. The church is a group of people that band together to serve, to love, to, quit, to equip each other, to live out our purpose, to pour into the next generation, to sacrifice financially, to reach more people and help encourage people to get plugged into the church and in a relationship with Jesus. We are a family with a cause. And here's one thing society says that is 100% wrong. Be you. Come on, you've heard it. Just do you, boo. Be yourself. Here's what Johan Hari says. He says, don't be you. Don't be yourself. Be us. Be we. 
be part of a group. You were never meant to do life alone. Yet many of us live life alone. You are called to be part of God's family and be part of something in your life that builds a kingdom that is far bigger than your own kingdom. God has invited you to build his kingdom. He's invited you to be part of something that is so bigger than just you. Because to be honest, you may be the biggest visionary in the world. You may be the biggest dreamer in the world. You may be the most talented, competent human being in the world. You may have a dream for a huge business. And all of those things are good. But God's kingdom is far greater than your own kingdom. Being part of God's kingdom is far greater than anything else you can do in your life. And God is calling you to build his kingdom wherever you are, with your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Man, life becomes amazing when you recognize that your business isn't, it isn't just for you. Like God wants to bless you so that you can bless others and so you can build his kingdom. Everything comes back to him because there's nothing more important than a relationship with Jesus. So how do we do this? Our capacity increases, and this is the most important one, and this is our last one, when God is helping us. Sometimes we struggle with this. I don't know what type of church you grew up in, um, but, but uh, sometimes you grow up in a church that's very focused on God's holiness and righteousness, and that is a great thing. And sometimes to com- not necessarily combat this, um, but to help recognize that God is a personal God, some churches go so far to the other side where they're like, God is your friend, and that is true. Jesus says we're his friends. But sometimes you also have to remember that God is not only our friend, but he is the Lord of our life. He is the prince of peace. And prince in Hebrew is this. It's Sar. Okay? This is the one in charge. That Jesus is our Lord. He's our chief. He's our general. And he can't help you until you give him control first. Like some of you, you are asking God to help you, but you haven't given God your whole life. Like some of you, you, you believe that Jesus is your savior, but he's not your Lord. Like you're all in for Jesus being the savior of your life so you can go to heaven after you die. But you don't allow Jesus to speak into your life today. You don't allow him to say, hey, this is what you're called to do today. And the reason we do what Jesus tells us to do is not because he doesn't want, he wants what's best for you. The Prince of Peace, he is the Lord of Peace, right? Uh, The word for peace is shalom. And it is so much bigger than just peace. Rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness and contentment. Every time, not every time, but a lot of times you see in scripture that Lord and peace always go together. And I think that's so powerful is that you can't have full peace without giving him the opportunity to be your Lord. Some of you expected something of God, but you never entered into a relationship with God believing that he was going to be the Lord of your life. Let me show you some of these examples in scripture. Psalm chapter four, verse eight says this, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Peace and Lord. This is the verse my daughter Quinn prays every night uh, because she had some bad dreams. So she always prays this verse before she goes to bed. I absolutely love it. Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord gives strength to his people. And then the verse continues on and he says, the Lord blesses his people with peace, Lord and peace. Here's another one. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord 
of all, the Lord of all, not the Lord of some, the Lord of all. So you want peace today? Make Jesus Lord over every area of your life because like a great parent, God knows what is best for you. Some of you are still not convinced. Romans chapter 5, 1. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is the, pre- the prince. And the prince has principles that you cannot ignore. And when you live out those principles and you place your trust and focus on him, you will experience peace today. I love what Chris Hodges, he's a pastor. He says this, most of our stress comes from ignoring God's principles. And ultimately, what's God's principle? Let me summarize it for you. He's first. He's not second. He's first. He's number one in every area of your life. You love Jesus more than you love your wife. You love Jesus more than you love your kids. You place him first. Why? Because the most protected position and protected place a child or a spouse can be is with a person who loves Jesus most. Why? Because Jesus calls us to love others. And when we love Jesus, we will love others well. So we are going to place him first. And when you do that, Matthew 6, says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't seek first your own kingdom. Seek God's kingdom. I just want this bad for you. For our life, this is kind of the last reminder I want to give you is that peace comes when I put God first. He's number one. Some of you, you never made a decision to follow Jesus. The way you're going to put God first today is you're going to make a decision to follow him. Others of you, your next best step is being obedient to what Christ has for you in your life. So if you've made a decision and you haven't been baptized, that's the next step that God has for you. Place Jesus first in every area of your life. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do, you pray first. As a church, that's why we are just praying and asking God to help cultivate a hunger and a presence of God that would not be matched by anyone else, that we would be focused on him. That's why Monday through Thursday at 6 a.m., we have a Zoom call where we pray first. Like that's the first thing we do, 6 a.m., we're praying together. Even if it's just 15 minutes, we are getting our hearts aligned to what God wants to do in our life. So when I wake up, I put God first. In my business, I place God first. In my family, I place God first. With my finances, I place God first. It's the first thing that I do. I want to be a man and a person who just places God first in every area of my life because that is the life that God has called me to live. And not only that, that is the life I desire because God knows what's best for me and he knows what's best for you. We are at our best when we submit to an authority who protects us and loves us. And you won't find any type of love Um. better than God's. I was thinking about this the other day and you notice how like our world, it's not as much anymore, but do you remember like when the royal wedding was happening and how like specifically Americans and all people are just like completely enthralled by British royalty, okay? Like people were waking up at 3 a.m. to watch a wedding of people they will never meet, right? And uh, 
the reason this happens, there was a psychologist that studied this and he said, the reason this is so popular is because human nature desires a king. In the same way you see in the book of Judges, what's it say? They desired a king. They kept asking God for a king. Then finally God gave them a king. They gave them what they asked for and they didn't do what they asked to happen because ultimately that king could not do what God could do. We are all looking for a king. Some people are looking for a king politically. So we place our politicians in a place that they were never supposed to place. Some of you, you've made the king a future relationship. You're just thinking, if I get married, if I could, if I could do this, if I could do that, then my life will be better. Some of you, the king of your life is your money. Some of you, the king of your life is your job. And I'm just telling you, when you place those things in an improper pedestal, your stress is going to increase and you're not going to live the life that God has for you. So let's be the type of people that recognize that there is only one king. He's the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of Lords. And he can change your life today if you surrender your life to him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess at some point that Jesus is Lord. So the question is, you can either do that today or you can do that later when you're separated from God. So I encourage you, don't be separated from God for eternity. Declare that he is Lord today because of what he's done for you. Let's go ahead and take a moment to pray. Would you go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you've never made him the Lord of your life, I would encourage you uh, just to say these words in the quietness of your heart. God, I'm giving my life to you. Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. You are the Lord of my life. If you made that decision, it says in scripture that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. Others of you, you've made Jesus your savior, but come on, you just gotta be honest today. He hasn't been the Lord of certain areas of your life. There's areas of disobedience that you continue to participate in time and time and time again. And it is time to make Lord or Jesus the Lord of that area of your life. So God, for all of us today, I pray that we would be a church and we would be a people who surrender everything to you, Lord, that we give you everything. You get our finances, you get our resources, you get our life, you get our family, you get our relationships. Jesus, everything is yours, yet you give it to us to steward. So let us be people that manage what you've given to us well. And the best way we're gonna do that is when we place our focus on you because you deserve to be first because of what you've done for us on the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Jess. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We're so glad to have you. And hey, if you made a first-time decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. It is the best decision that you will ever make. I wanna encourage you to go to our website, purposearizona.com slash connect card, and you'll see a connect card on the website. Go ahead and fill that out. It gives us a little bit of information about you and helps us come alongside you and support you as you start this journey. Also, if you just wanna connect with our church or if you wanna invest financially in what God is doing here in the Valley, all of the information is on the website, purposearizona.com. And lastly, we meet in person every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Desert Edge High School, and we'd love for you to join us. Be sure to follow us on social media for any other updates. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.